0: Okay. Um, Sri mentioned earlier, just briefly, last night up here um, in the small hall, there was an amazing evening. Uh, The people, um, lots of the people we connect with through conversational English and also our CAP debt service came up for a meal, amazing meal done by Jane and team. There's about 40 or so in the room. We had a brilliant time. And so, just a massive well done to Caroline and Phil and Heather and Anastasia, Jane, Dave. Loads of people got involved in serving those people. So, can we just give them a massive round of applause? It was just a tremendous evening and really great to see those people connecting a little bit more uh, with each other and with us as well. OK, so this morning uh, we're going to kind of briefly look at the next kind of value that we've over the last kind of few weeks and months. We've been looking at key values that we hold as a local church, as a local community of believers and just kind of unpacking them as to why we hold them as values, why we believe they're biblical uh, and how we want to kind of continue to, to develop them and grow these over the forthcoming weeks and months and years. Um, So today the value we're going to look at is the whole thing of how we as a church believe that we should be caring for and empowering the poor. Uh, As a church we run various kind of organized stuff together. So we run the food bank in town, we run a cap debt service, uh, we run food in the school holidays, we run conversational English uh, we're also involved, many people in the church are involved in uh, supporting the, the refugees that are currently in our town and hosting them. Uh, also, we're very much supportive. I know many people are involved in Pathways Care Farm uh, with Jeff and the team there doing a tremendous work up there. Um, so there's many people involved in many different ways um, as a church together in supporting and in, uh, working with people who are living in poverty. Now, one of the Things that uh, I come across both in conversations with people here but also in other churches elsewhere i 'm a bit involved in an organization called Jubilee Plus that has uh, looks to kind of work across churches across nationally and when it comes to the subject of uh, community outreach working with the poor, helping those that are living in poverty, one of the concerns that 's often raised in lots of different circles is are we just becoming social services as churches when we do all this work in the community, are we just becoming social services, people uh, have a a concern that somehow are we, by doing these things, are we distracting ourselves from preaching the gospel of Jesus to the world? There's a sense, which is an understandable concern, that people have and think, well, actually, if we're getting and doing all this stuff, are we losing sight of the gospel and what it's all about? So I want to kind of unpack that a little bit this morning um, and hopefully present for you a reason why we as elders don't believe that these things are a distraction. Um, and that we're not just becoming social services, we're not getting distracted from the core business of church. And that in fact, we think the opposite. And this is why we believe it should be a key value for who we are as a church. So the passage we're going to look at this morning that hopefully kind of gives us a springboard into to looking at that and hopefully addressing that concern that many people um, understandably can feel and look at and think, well, how does that fit in with what I know of what church should be? uh, The the passage we're looking at is the last of a series of parables uh, that Jesus spoke. Now, if you don't know what parables are, they're just short stories that Jesus used to bring um, to kind of illustrate a point. And this one um, isn't a parable as such, but it comes at the end of a load of parables where Jesus is talking about being ready for the day of judgment. So he's talking about the being ready for the day when one day Jesus returns to this earth. Uh, and we know that he came and was born in Bethlehem, that was the first coming. But Jesus said he's going to return again one day um, and he's going to bring in the end of the earth as we know it. He's going to rebring in the new heavens and the new earth. And as he comes back, he's going to judge the living and the dead for how they responded to him and how they what their response to him was. So it's going to make the difference on that day. Being right before God is going to be really, really important. Okay, that's the only thing that's going to be important on that day when Jesus comes back is, am I as an individual right before God? That's going to be the crucial thing that determines our eternal future. So it's quite important. Yeah, I'd imagine that's quite an important thing for us to be clear on. So this is what we are looking at now, what Jesus is teaching into what we're going to read now comes in the whole context of he's talking about the day of judgment and what's going to happen when he comes back at the end of time. So if you've got a Bible with you or you've got one on your device or anything like that, Matthew 25 is where we're going to read from. It will come up on the screen as well um, if you want to read it from there. And it's from verses 31 through to 46. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, when the Son of Man comes in glory, Son of Man is just a title for Jesus. So this that, that is part of his um, title. So when the Son of Man comes in his glory, when Jesus comes in glory, all the angels with him, Then he will sit on the glorious on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Basically, come into my heaven, the new heavens, and new earth. This is for you. that's a bit heavy, isn't it? I mean, Jesus doesn't hold back. Sometimes we get this impression of Jesus and we've made this impression that he was this kind of like sort of floaty kind of really chilled out guy that went around and just, I mean, he was, he was pretty brutal when, when sometimes some of the things that he speaks. And it's important that we really dig into what Jesus is saying here so that it helps us in terms of our lives and what we do together as a community of believers. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, a quick reading of this, could leave us kind of interpreting it as saying well actually what Jesus is saying is in order to be right with God on that final day of judgment because that's the context what he's talking about in order to be right with God we have to feed and clothe anyone that we see in need so if you come across someone in need you just need to make sure you feed them you clothe them you visit them you minister them that's what a quick reading of that passage could leave us thinking isn't it actually I just need to be super alert. I need to carry in the back of my car a supply of everything possible. If I ever come across someone or ever see someone in need, I need to get out and do that because that's the way that, you know, if Jesus asks me, I can make sure that I've covered all my bases. Yep. That could be what we think is the reading of that scripture. We could go away and you could just run to B&M afterwards and fill up your car and think, right, I'm ready. I'm going to, you know, anyone I see, I'm going to give them something because that, that's what Jesus is saying we need to do. Well, If that was the case, then actually that would contradict everything that Jesus has talked about and the other New Testament writings. Because becoming right with God, actually, there's only one way that we will become right with God. And righteousness comes not through our actions, but it comes through faith in Jesus. We can't earn that through good deeds. So you could read that and think, "Right, I need to just become really good and do lots of good stuff. But actually, that isn't what Jesus is saying, because in written later in Romans, Paul says that the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So our right standing before God only comes through putting faith in him as our saviour. It only comes through a sense where actually we we become right with God. We receive the righteousness through putting our faith in Jesus as our saviour. There's no amount of good deeds you can do that will put you right with God. It only comes through rece- re- repenting of our, for our, of our sin, putting our faith in Jesus, saying you're the only one that can, I can get forgiveness from, and you receive the new life that comes from him For there. So that's not what Jesus is saying in this passage. He's not saying go away and do lots of good deeds to get right with me. That isn't at all because it would contradict everything else he said. If you're not a Christian here this morning, if you're sitting here and listening to this, then this is the primary point for you this morning, okay? One day, we're all going to have to account for our lives before God. That's what Jesus is saying. One day, we're all going to have to stand before him. The only defense that you'll have on that day, the only thing that you need need to worry about that day is whether you've put your faith in him as your savior. As someone said to me the other day, if you're covered by the blood of Jesus, that's the only question you're going to be asked in that day. And that's the key thing for you. If you're not a Christian here this morning, that's the question you need to ask yourself. If I stood before Jesus today, would I be confident that actually he would say, welcome into my kingdom? That only comes through faith in him. If you're not a Christian, that's the main point. You can switch off now. You can relax, OK, because that's the main thing that you need to take out of this passage. But what Jesus is saying here is he's not saying that he's not saying get right with God through good deeds. But what he is saying is that once you've put your faith in him, once you've received him as your saviour, once you've received that righteousness from God, once you've been born again by the spirit of God, then it should produce in you an outward evidence in your attitude and your actions towards those that are experiencing poverty, that are vulnerable, that are disadvantaged. That is so clear in you that it's a distinguishing feature of your life. Because what he's saying is actually on the day of judgment, it will be one way that Jesus can separate Christians from non-Christians. that actually he sees how how you've treated your attitude and your actions towards the most poor and the most vulnerable in society. That receiving the righteousness of God should change our hearts towards those that are disadvantaged in society, that are living in poverty to the point where Jesus can use it to distinguish whether you're a genuine Christian or not. That's, that's quite powerful, isn't it? It's not the only distinguishing feature, but it's definitely an important one. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, actually, I can distinguish whether your faith really is in me, whether your heart has been changed by the way that you treated the least of the people in society. That should be something that Christians should be so evident with. And also, more than that, he's even saying that actually... The way we treat people that are living in poverty, that are vulnerable, that are disadvantaged in society, is directly connected to how we treat him. Jesus identifies himself with those people. He said the way you treat them is the way you kind of treat me. He's kind of actually putting himself in their shoes and saying, actually, I'm identifying myself with those people. And, and the way you show your love for me is actually in the way you show your love for the least people in society. Jesus identified himself in with the poor and the disadvantaged. He didn't identify himself with the kings and the wealthy and the aristocrats. He identified himself with the poor and the disadvantaged. And he's saying to reject them is actually to reject him. That's how how closely aligned he is. Tim Keller, who's an American pastor and theologian, put it this way. He said, if a person has grasped the meaning of God's grace in his heart, he will do justice. If he doesn't care about the poor, it reveals that at best, he doesn't understand the grace that he's experienced. And at worst, he's not really encountered the saving mercy of God. That's, 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 that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, actually, a, a faith in me should change something in your attitude towards those people experiencing and living in poverty in our world. So the challenging question for us as Christians, if you're a Christian here this morning, the question we have to ask ourselves on a regular basis is how much evidence in, the, in, my, in my life is there of this changed heart, it's particularly towards those living in poverty in our society? How much evidence is there in my heart of that attitude? Not just the people that are like me, not just the people that I feel comfortable around, not just the people that are, you know, we, we get on and they're in a similar sort of status or they, you know, they buy me stuff. They what about the people that are... You know, living in very difficult circumstances, what's my attitude like towards them? Am I dismissive? Am I saying that it's all their own fault, or they just need to get a job, or they just need to do this, or they need to help themselves first? Or is my heart stirred in a certain way that says, no, actually, because of my faith in Jesus, it's changed my heart, my attitude towards people living and experiencing poverty. Now, this isn't something as Christians we have to manufacture, because Jesus is saying it comes automatically with the deal. that once we become Christians, something changes in our heart. You might find that you always had an attitude towards a certain group of people. You have become a Christian, suddenly you find like a compassion for them, which is kind of like probably annoying to you. Because you think, actually, I used to really, they used to really annoy me, those people, or that section of society. But now I, I can't help but like feel a compassion towards them. That's because you have become a Christian and the spirit of God is in you. And Jesus' heart is now coming through. In that way, it isn't something we have to manufacture, but it is something we have to feed and water because the world around us suppresses that seed in our hearts. Uh, if you follow social media, if you read newspapers, if you watch the news, if you listen to your people talking in your staff room at school, um, in, in school or uh, in your workplace, then it's easy for our attitudes to become very entrenched and, and influenced by the world about people that are not, li- you know, haven't got much in this world. Horrible words are used about them to talk about whole groups of people. That's that. that are we most influenced by what Jesus is saying or by the world around us? You know, there's a, there's a survey done by Jubilee Plus, which is a an organization and they looked at um, Christian organization. They looked at what most influences Christians. When it comes to how we care for those in poor in the world, and actually they found that the Christians are most influenced by the newspapers they read and the social media they consume, rather than the Bible. That's scary, isn't it? Yeah, if you ever read the the headline, sometimes on the on a new I've got like a, a news app on my phone, and and on there it always shows you every day a photo of the front pages of every newspaper that are out there. It's quite interesting when you flick through. Just look at the headlines, the front page headlines in all the different newspapers, the breadth of opinion you get around an issue that's going on. If you only ever read one of them, you're only ever going to get shaped by one opinion. We, as Christians, should be shaped by this when it comes to everything, particularly how we care for those that are in poverty and living in, in disadvantaged situations in our society. And now more than ever in our lifetime, how the church responds to, to people living in poverty is more and more crucial. We know we're hitting harder times than ever. This is the moment though where the church should be standing up. A guy called Michael Green said it this way. He said, the heart of Christianity is relationship with Jesus himself, which shows itself in loving, sacrificial care for others, in particular, the poor and the needy. This is why it's a value for us as a church. Not because we believe, oh, it's a a nice thing to do and it makes people like us. Because we believe this is at the heart of Christianity. This is the heart of what Jesus was teaching. This is the heart of what he said we should be about. Is actually our care for those that are least in our society is a reflection of how much we love him and his love towards us. So just finishing, coming back to that concern that I raised at the beginning that you here talked about, is that whether... If we, get, if we get really involved in serving our local community, are we just getting distracted from the gospel? Are we becoming like social services? Well, in truth, that concern would never have been raised by the early church. 2,000 years ago when the Bible was written, the early church would never have raised that concern because they were taught by Jesus. They, they, were, being, they, were, they were listening to his words. They'd seen him in actions. They would have instinctively known that caring for and empowering the poor was a key part of the gospel and central to church life. They would never have asked that question. If you think about when Jesus in Luke 4 stood up and proclaimed at the beginning of his ministry that manifesto, when he stood up and said, This is what I'm all about, this is what I'm going to do now, I'm here on earth to change the world. What was the first thing he said? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the. You see, the early church knew that actually. The poor was at the heart of the gospel, bringing the good news of Jesus to those least in our society. was actually at the heart of what Jesus was all about, not exclusively, but certainly in a very big and intentional way. Jesus expected the local church to be the natural home for the poor, vulnerable and disadvantaged in society. Jesus expected not that we should be having to do projects to go and find the poor to help them. He expected that the church is the natural home. For those people, because the gospel is what? Good news for the poor. And if we reflect Jesus, then the church, the community of believers should be the safest, the most loving and the most generous group of people on the planet. That's the challenge for us. And I would say when you look at that passage we read, Jesus is saying there in verse 40 talks about. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. I think when I read that, that Jesus is assuming that the people that are naked, that are hungry, that are strangers, he's assuming that they're within the family of God because he's calling them brothers. And that's not to say, we're well, just picking the odd one or two. Per- he's assuming that the church is full of people. The natural home for people that are living in poverty in, t- in, in a community is in the church because they're the most loving, the most generous, the most kind. They have the good news. They are the people that are most filled with hope in all of society. So those without hope, those without things, are drawn to the church because, why? Because we have the hope of Jesus and because we reflect him to the world. So why does that concern get raised now? That are we just, are we missed? Is this a distraction? I just think because over the last 2,000 years, the church, generally, worldwide, has drifted away from what Jesus taught. And we've turned the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, into something that is more about words and theology than it is about actions. And I believe that both things should be in equal measure. It's not one or the other, okay? If we only do good deeds and don't tell people about the hope of Jesus, then that's only half the picture. If we only tell people about Jesus but don't do anything to help them in their practical situation, then that's only half the picture. Those things should be in equal measure, full blast, going for it. But I believe over 2,000 years, the church has drifted, the church. And actually, it's time to restore that to a greater measure. We as as a family of churches, New Frontiers, we've always talked about wanting to be more New Testament-like as a church. We want to get back to some of these values here. And there's many areas of church life that have been restored that we think spiritual gifts and various things. But actually, this value of being the natural home for those in poverty is a value that we need to restore. If we really want to be New Testament-like, then we've got to say, how do we do this to a greater extent? I believe we've made a good start. We've run some amazing projects, and people here all serve in those places and do amazing good. But that's just a start. Okay, that's projects. We need to build a culture where those that are poor, disadvantaged, vulnerable, multitude of things going on in their life, feel most at home in the church. So we build a culture where that is their natural home. And if we haven't got that culture, We need to ask ourselves, why not and what needs to change? That's something to discuss over coffee and in your community groups to throw around what needs to change that we can become the New Testament culture that Jesus expected when it comes to this issue. Let's just pray. And then the band are going to come back and lead us in some final bit of sung worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your heart is massive. We thank you that your heart is full of love. And Lord, we feel just so pitiful compared to it, Lord. When I look at my own heart, Lord, and I think, how much love do I have for this person, that person? Lord, I I fall so short. We all fall so short, Lord. But we ask, Lord, we know that this is in your heart. And we know, Lord, that you, through the Holy Spirit, can awaken that in our hearts to a greater measure than we've ever known. So I pray for each one of us, Lord, who this morning here is a Christian. Help us on this journey, Lord. It's It's not just nailing something and then it's sorted. It's a journey. Awaken our hearts more and more to those around us who are living in situations that are poor, disadvantaged, vulnerable. Lord, you are good news to everybody on the planet. But you also picked out the poor and said you're particularly good news to the poor, those that have lost hope, that society is pushed to one side. Lord, we want to help us to build a community here of believers in whatever way that looks that brings your good news into every community in our town and our communities. Help us, Lord, to have compassion for those that aren't like us. Help us to have compassion for those that are different, that we find challenging, that are, exhaust us, that are you know, that that we're just very different from. Help us, Lord, to have your heart. Help us to start seeing people through your eyes. Lord, we want to be able to stand before you on that final day, Lord. And uh, in whatever way we did, whether it starts with an attitude, Lord, help us to have an attitude where we did look out, we did clothe those people that were naked, Lord, that you looked at us and said, well, you did give my, show my love to the stranger. But help us, Holy Spirit, because we naturally don't do this very well. Help us to go on that journey, Lord. Help us to build a community here and in our town, our communities, that really shows you in a genuine way to the world around us. Amen.